0: On India Decides election season has well and truly begun and now the name may have changed. They're calling it the Federal Front not the Third Front but Mamta Banerjee is putting her full political weight behind this concept. Today she called out the Bihar Chief Minister Nitish Kumar. As sources say the BGP-JDU marriage in Bihar is now all set for a divorce. Nitish Kumar has asked all MLAs to stay in Patna and cancelled all the engagements he has next week. This as LK Advani, back as BJP Patriarch, called both Nitish Kumar and Sharad Yadav today asking them to keep the NDA Alliance intact. Symbolically, another powerful Chief Minister, Naveen Patnaik, held a rally in the heart of Delhi today. He's already backed a federal front. But can this ever work or is it just a
1: mirage in Indian politics? The Bihar Chief Minister, the most wanted man today. First, Mamta reached out for her new federal alliance.
0: I gave some appeal to why Facebook. That let the non-Congress and non-BJP, the federal bloc, together for the next parliament election. And
1: I already discussed the matter with Navin Patnaikji and Nitish Kumarji. Next, Arvani called Nitish, stressing the need to stay united. Finally today, the Congress made overtures to Nitish Kumar.
2: So you're open to it? We are open to all secular parties. We've always said that. Now and in the future.
1: Mamta Banerjee met Nitish Kumar's senior colleague, who had early virtually said the J.D.U. BJP alliance was over. But a lot depends on Nitish Kumar's next move. Another senior colleague today attacked Narendra Modi, the BJP's new campaign leader, and his role in the 2002 Gujarat riots.
3: की, की but the feeling may
1: not be mutual for the BJP that's already at pains to defend its own ally that's openly making overtures to Mamta Banerjee's idea of a federal government or a third front.
4: NDA but
1: is Mamata Banerjee's plan of a third front or a federal government feasible? She also called Urisa Chief Minister Naveen Patnaik, but he's keeping his options open.
2: Well, it's early days yet. Let's hope for the best. We'll see in the future.
1: The Congress and the BJP believe a third front can't
2: happen. third front
5: is a distant dream which never will succeed in a country like India.
1: The current potential third fronters need other parties. They are all in power in states which together have only 103 seats. And between them they currently hold 52 seats. And with more parties comes the challenge of internal contradictions and a scramble for power. Something that's been the experience in past 3rd Front experiments. Behind me, Mamta Banerjee's office. Like her, other regional parties
5: may be big in their own states. And the combined tally of these regional parties after the elections could throw up a whole new range of permutations and political combinations. But for now, certainly with elections round the corner, it is open season to make new friends and modify old ties. With Kate Kiangre in Delhi, in Kolkata, Monideepa Banerjee, NDTV.
0: Well, joining me now, representatives of the two main parties, the two main alliances and also two representatives of possibly a third front. Mamta Banerjee's TMC already making it clear what they want. I am joined by Sukhendu Shekhar Rao of the TMC. I am also joined by Uday Singh of the BJP MP from Bihar, he is hoping that Nitish of course will stay and I am also being joined by Abhishek Singhvi of the Congress and I will be joined by Sabir Ali of uh, the Janata Dal United, a Sabha MP. Uday Singh ji over to you first, Nitish Kumar sending out very clear signals today, more and more voices coming out from his party today criticizing Mr. Modi, is the alliance in Bihar now virtually over between the BJP and the Janata Dal United?
2: Sorry, I hope not, but it is both astonishing and satisfying for us to see how rattled people are getting at the name of just Mr. Modi heading the election campaign committee of the BJP. It almost seems that everybody is getting uh, uh, a a, a complex, I don't know for what reason, that uh, Mr. Modi is going to overshadow the entire political scene. I mean, this is an internal matter of the BJP to announce a person to head the election campaign committee. We have not announced him as the NDA uh, leader, which is the prerogative of the NDA. And therefore, all the rhetoric that we are hearing from Patna and from Delhi, from some of the JDU leaders, in language that is uh, really, really not to be used for senior members of their alliance partners, uh, it is very, very distressing are you talking and very, about uh, and the, Are you talking specifically about Shivanand Tiwari and the allusion he made to Sadar Patel? I am talking about Mr. Shivanand Tiwari and the Agriculture Minister in Bihar, Mr. Narendra Singh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have no business whatsoever to talk in this kind of a language. We have been extremely deferential whenever we address any of their, the, their leaders and that is how it should be in politics, especially amongst alliance partners. After all, they must not forget that they have made no formal announcement. Our desire to keep the uh, coalition going can be seen from the fact that none other than Mr. Uh, Lal Krishna Advani today telephoned Mr. Nitish Kumar and Mr. Sharad Yadav telling them that it is a imperative that we stick together in the NDA to make sure that the UPA is out of power and that the NDA comes and gives this country a much needed stable government I don't know what their hurry or what their desperation is to behave in the manner that they are. Well, well, the, really hurry, well the hurry you can be explained quite simply
0: perhaps by the fact that Nitish
2: Kumar just suffered a defeat in a crucial
0: by-election to Lalu Prasad Yadav and the worry with minority votes. Abhishek Singh, come in here, the Congress looking some would say for political capital here, looking for crucial support with Kamil making the point that you all would welcome any secular support moves already on for a special package to be granted to Bihar. How far will the Congress go to reach out to Nitish Kumar given that Mamta Banerjee has already made the first move?
3: Uh, let me make it clear at the outset that the Congress stands or falls on its own good work and there is certainly absolutely no question of looking for crutches or looking with glee or otherwise looking at other parties. That's point one and we ultimately will go with our own program. Second however, if something is thrust upon the nation, whether it's a tragedy, comic, farce or whatever in the last few days, well then you are bound to have different people and different parties making comments on them. As far as the NDA and the BJP is concerned, to an extent it is an internal matter of theirs. It really doesn't matter uh, whether I comment on it or not. But since you've asked us, I think two or three things are very clear. There are two kinds of the erstwhile NDA. Mm-hmm. One is that which uh, cannot stomach Mr. Modi in any leadership form even within the BJP and certainly not within the NDA. That group would comprise both the Patnayaks and the Nitish Kumar's. In other group, the Badals and the Shiv Sena would accept it. Now it is for the BJP to work out this contradiction. I think it's very good that somebody in the BJP will be upfront and say, look, we will have Modi at any cost. We'd like the NDA to continue with us, but if they don't, we can't help it. Or the NDA saying that look, we can't continue with Mr. Modi. Instead of a hypocritical approach, which suggests that you know Mr. Modi makes a creeping movement ahead because today it is very clear both to the Nitish Kumar's and the Patnaik's and a few others that Mr. M- this is the first step to Mr. Modi's anointment though of course and Mr. they are Singh- therefore mm-hmm. consistent consistent with their past practice and statements they are simply repeating their apprehension
0: so as they are
3: today it is inevitable
0: though of course Mr. Singhvi, what you are leaving out is that both Nitish Kumar and Naveen Patnaik have made equally scathing comments against uh, uh, Rahul Gandhi and the Congress leadership and that is why I am going to bring in uh, Shukhandi Shekhar Rao of the TMC because the point being made by Mamta Banerjee, Nitish Kumar, Naveen Patnak is that in a sense that we want to be equidistant from the UPA and the NDA, neither is it palatable to us, the current leadership of both parties is uh, not palatable to us in a sense, Mr. Modi perhaps is future and the current leadership of the UPA. Mr. Shekhar Roy, do you think that the... Uh, the The regional parties will stick to the stand or as the left has pointed out earlier, Mr. Prakash Karat made the point that numerically we have the numbers but political opportunism is the bane of any potential third front or federal front. Can you all actually stick together? We saw what happened in the presidential elections when you couldn't cobble together a majority even then to elect your
5: candidate.
4: Uh, You have put so many questions to me, it is very difficult to reply in one sentence or two sentences but I would like to add Mm -hmm. that so far the CPIM is concerned actually the politics of opportunism that they have shown perhaps no other political party in this country has ever shown because it was they were against tooth and nail against the Congress at one point of time they used to characterize Congress as fascist forces and suddenly they changed their stand. And they supported the UPA government from outside. And again, then again, on the so-called issue of nuclear civil nuclear cooperation agreement, they withdrew support. Now, again, secret policies are going on in New Delhi between the two party leaders. So, I am not on that. What Mamta Ji has said, she has requested the regional party leaders to come forward and to forge an alliance to emerge for emergence for emergence of a federal uh, alliance because uh, the it is uh, the, the india india is confronted with uh, era of uh, era of alliance there cannot be any single rule gov- single party rule in this country Sri manusek obisengbi ji has right now stated mm. that congress does not require any crutch but for the past few decades Congress is depending on different regional political parties and BJP too. And why we are disillusioned with both UPA and NDA? Because the people of this country are absolutely disillusioned with the performance of both the Congress-led UPA and the BJP-led NDA. After five decades of single rule by Congress, and then no, again so nine course, year rule of the so of Roy, Recent the,
0: state the elections the have not shown entirely that you have we've had, had no, votes no, no. for the BGP the and for the Congress. The Congress in no, Karnataka, the we, BGP we the maintain, state we election we, before that. Yes, so the maintain, recent state results don't entirely existence. show that. Let me just bring in let me just bring in Abhishek we Singhvi mean, on the point given opinion polls, given the fact that if you just go by arithmetic the regional parties that they come together can add up to a front which may numerically be larger than either a congress led alliance or a BGP led alliance Are you worried? Is, two th- is the federal front an idea whose time has come in 2014?
3: Firstly, uh, I never meant or suggested that we can make necessarily and obviously and inevitably a government of our own without coalition. I think the coalition era is here to stay and I didn't mean that at all. What I meant was that a coalition era still goes around a basic poll, a basic poll of a national party along with other parties. I think that is the position because although people may be disillusioned with incumbent governments even with the UPA and certainly with the NDA when they were thrown out, the disillusionment with the so-called third front is much 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 more. That's the reality. Today it is the biggest uh, discredited institution for, for uh, which has ever been seen in po- Indian politics. So I think people would like to rally around a coalition led as far as possible either by a national party or by a party which has largely a national pan-Indian footprint. Now obviously this will depend on the election results but I think that the Congress offers a far larger uh, magnet so to say to attract people to it than the BJP does. The BJP was there at 23 parties, we also have a coalition of almost 23-24 parties. The BJP is down now considerably but and we are hoping that those who are regional parties will definitely be attracted much more to the UPA than to the NDA. Let
0: me just get in Uday Singh because I think in a sense the BJP is clearly ready to take that Campbell, uh, the Modi impact as it were. It may be polarizing as Abhishek uh, Singh we indicated but it also may bring you more seats than it would with uh, any other leader at the hem of the campaign. Do you think the BGP must take that gamble now?
2: Last uh,
0: Could I you hear? Uh, Mr. Odhis Singh, just to repeat that question, do you feel that Mr. Abhishek Singh be making the point that the UPA alliance uh, is much more attractive or less repellent as he puts it perhaps of the NDA would be with uh, Mr. Modi at the hem? But do you feel that the BJP must take the gamble, that the positive impact of having Mr. Modi on is worth the effect that it may have on driving away any allies at the JDU, that the positive, the pros are worth much more than the cons.
2: Sonia, even if I agree with uh, what Abhishek ji just said that Congress probably offers a larger footprint, let him not forget that Congress is much more discredited also and therefore the larger the footprint with this kind of a discredit to their name It will work to the disadvantage. When it comes to Mr. Modi, look, we did our uh, homework properly. The party leadership did its homework properly. Today, the popular mood in the country seems to be that they would require somebody like Mr. Modi to lead the BJP into the election campaign. And we are very hopeful that we will keep our coalition with JDU intact. We are hopeful that the NDA will go into this battle as is today and every party will do its best to get the maximum number of seats that we can and we are sure to go over the 272 mark and offer this country a good clean stable government for the next five years starting 2014 or earlier whenever the congress decides to call the polls and we talked about the, the mr Sh- uh, singhvi mr singhvi's point let me just get in mr uh, Shekhar roy on that
0: the fact is that the tmc has allied with both the NDA government and the UPA at the past. Naveen Patak also has allied with the BJP, even though he says it is equidistant now. In case the NDA, you are saying the UPA is discredited, in case the NDA or the BJP gets some kind of a respectable majority, would you ally with the BJP with Mr. Modi leading it? Mr. Roy?
4: Yes. Uh, the question is to me yes no we, we have uh, our leader has already stated that we want a federal front having equidistance from congress and bjp both you see and we are looking in the political horizon a silver lining for that because the uh, the present situation is ideal situation for emergence of a federal fund and so-called national parties their existence are decaying very fast everywhere in the country. You look at the states. Majority of the states are run by the regional parties, not by the national parties. Therefore, it is high time that the regional parties forge the alliance and lead the country to the expectation the majority of the states is not led by regional people. parties, sir. The majority of the
0: states is not led yes, by regional parties. Major, the
4: major party. You no. look at the east, you look at the south, you look everywhere, barring a few, a few states. Everywhere there are regional parties, dominant regional parties, they are doing No, uh,
0: Mr. Shekhar, but one key point when you say federal no, front, say usually a third front well. idea was always mooted by the left. Now, the so called federal front, leaving out the BJP, leaving out the Congress, and what about the left? Where does Mamta Banerjee stand on that in this so called federal front? Uh, do you completely leave them out?
4: Uh, it is better that you ask the left one that whether they will uh, leave Congress party. with whom they are having the secret parlance for forging another alliance in the near future.
0: But will Mamta Banerjee accept a front which the left may be part of?
4: We we have repeatedly said that we will maintain equidistance from both Congress and BJP. The question of left front does not arise because they are the opportunistic alliance. And our experience in Bengal so far left front is concerned. It is a party of (laughs) murderers and it is popularly known as the criminal party of india murderers
0: okay so you are saying equity from uh, bjp and congress and the left a party of murderers uh, abhishek Singhvi, go ahead
4: left is insignificant to us Uh, i want to i want to point out
3: two yes i I want to point out two uh, very interesting contradictions if you do this analysis i mean of course you -hmm. know we are not really into tutu meme here Mm -hmm. because it's a matter of election but let's do analysis of two very interesting contradictions Mm -hmm. one is that do you you see, it is not, it, earlier it was the BJP and the NDA. Today you are now talking in theory of a Modi-led BJP, oblique Modi role in NDA. Now I want to ask you a question Sonia, do you see any of the following parties whom I am naming, even post-election, with given their profile, given their electoral support, given the profile of their constituencies, given their mass-based support, supporting a Modi-led dispensation in any form? Even post-election, assuming Mr. Modi gets good votes. The parties are Mulayan Singh Yadav in UP, even Mamta Banerjee in Bengal, remember a profile of votes in West Bengal, Patnayak in uh, Odisha, uh, 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 even I would say Mayawati in UP, uh, uh, J- uh, Nitish Kumar in JDU, and I can name a few more, uh, uh, Mr. Abdullah in National Conference, even post-elections there is an inherent contradiction between Mr. Modi, BJP, NDA and these seven parties I have named. Now yes. let us look at another really interesting contradiction. They are talking about Federal Front. Mm-hmm. Federal of course is a very apologetic synonym for Third Front. It's just a you know, an incarnation to make it look a little better and sound a little better. Can you imagine a Federal Front where already the two principal constituents cannot possibly be in the same front? Namely the
0: left parties and uh, b- b- TMC. So cannot be. So in that sense, ironically, Udi Singh, if you can come in on that point, because really what many political observers have pointed out is that the BGP over the last two or three days has failed, has actually scored so many self-codes because in a sense, even a weakened UPA government seems complacent by what uh, Abhishek Singhvi is pointing out, the analysis of the contradictions of a so-called federal front and the contradictions emerging within the BGP with the fiasco over the last two days. Has the BGP scored a self-call which it will be very hard to recover from?
4: What about the contradiction in Congress?
0: But has the BGP failed to capitalise on that, that's the point.
4: Mm-hmm. Congress is an absorbing party. Everybody knows what we is going on in Delhi. Uh, you have so many contradictions oh, yeah. Mr. Anubishek I because, just wanted, Mr. Because, Roy. I wanted to get. Because,
0: Uday Singh to, yes, I agree with you on the contradiction in the Congress. But has the BJP failed to capitalise? And this whole point, the left. Go ahead. What do they
2: Sonia, there is no contradiction in the BJP. Yes, Mr. Lal Krishna Advani was temporarily upset about something. It has been sorted out. As far as the third front is concerned, it will remain a ever-present myth. It's a mirage. It can never really take shape. Uh, But every time pre-elections, there is this great talk about a federal front, left front, whatever you call it. There cannot be an alternative in this country except those which are led either by the Congress Party or the BJP. And this time round, the country's mood is absolutely clear and certain. It will be a government led by the BJP uh, of the NDA and you will have a first class government working for the country 2014 onwards for five years take my word for it please so despite the humiliation heaped by jdu leaders on the bjp on the
0: comments they're making on a man who's at the head of your campaign committee the bjp will stomach it
2: the bjp is absolutely committed there's no question about our going back or our having a rethink Mm -hmm. we have done our due diligence we have done our thinking we have announced at the national executive that mr modi will lead our election campaign committee, there is no question of resigning from that and we just hope and pray that the JDU begins to see reason they must not confuse this with, the, uh, with Mr. Modi having been announced as the NDA's leader that is something that the NDA leaders will sit together and decide at a later date. So let the JDU not make this an excuse or probably not misunderstand Mr. Modi will lead the election campaign committee of the BJP that is how things are and will remain so. Mr. Shekhar Roy final words from you? Uh,
4: one thing that uh, what appears from the uh, comments made by uh, see Singhvi and the BJP leader. Mm-hmm. That when the regional parties they become the constituents of either UPA or U, uh, NDA, then they are very good. Otherwise, they are untouchable. <laughs>
2: are they very we good. never said you are untouchable. not at all. <laughs> we greatly respect you, your party, your leader. No, there is no question of untouchable. The
4: in point? the in the event of a hung parliament, in the event of a hung parliament. In the fourth, after the forthcoming election, if you just think of a situation that if Congress or BJP cannot lead a front to run the government, then what will be the situation? There cannot be a void in the politics.
5: And who this is them? why Sonia,
4: it is high time of the for country the regional parties to emerge with a federal front to lead the country in the right direction.
0: And who can become the Prime Minister, that will be thrown up the whole sweepstakes of corn Bhattga Pradhan Mantri will be the, when will we, be the when, key thing.
4: When we'll reach, yes, yes, when we will reach the river, we will decide how to cross the river.
0: Well, wh- what's interesting is that we can see election season well and truly on. Mamta Banerjee, Nitish Kumar speaking. And Nitish Kumar, as I said, all sources telling us that break may happen sooner rather than later, as soon as next week. Let's see how that develops. So thank you very much, Abhishek Singhvi, Uday Singh and Sukhendu Shekhar Roy for joining us tonight. Let's move to our other big story. Forget China, the United States of America is now the country which is spying on the world. In astonishing disclosures by a 29-year-old whistleblower who has now sought hiding ironically in Hong Kong, some of the extent of a secret US program prism has been revealed to two newspapers which has led to global uproar. Let's take a look at that program. Now, just the details which came out are revealed in the Washington Post and the Guardian of how America actually spies on the world and details of PRISM. This came out in slides released by uh, the, this whistleblower Edward, Edward Snowden. The previously undisclosed program called PRISM allows US officials to collect material. This costs 20 million dollars per year, a cost the US government was obviously more than happy to pay all in the name of security begun at the time of President Bush continued by President Obama. Take a look at this table, this will give you an idea of the breadth of data the US government has access to through PRISM, emails, video and voice chats, videos, photos, live chats like Skype, file transfers, social networking site details all under scrutiny through PRISM. This includes the use of keywords that set off security alarm bells for example uh, if you use a word say terrorist. You could end up on police watch lists or worse. Also this top secret document leaked by Edwin Snowden details how data collection is directly from the servers of major US uh, global, US, global service providers like Google, Facebook, Skype, Microsoft. Did the tech companies actually allow the US government a backdoor entry into their systems? Yes, says this NSA document obtained by Edward Snowden clearly mentioning the assistance of communication providers. No, said these internet giants. They denied any knowledge of the program. But was that possible? Asked security analysts. India is among the top five countries targeted by US surveillance. The largest amount of intelligence was gathered from Iran, but India amongst the top five. However, President Obama has defended this US surveillance effort as a trade-off for security. His defense is that no one is listening to the content of telephone calls. It's just a modest encroachment on privacy and worth it given the security concern
6: we are being watched without our knowledge or consent but should freedom be compromised for security
7: uh, you can't have hundred percent security and also then have hundred percent privacy
6: this is not an argument that the country's main civil liberties organization is willing to buy global outrage and a lawsuit. That is what the American government is battling.
8: In this case, though, the government has used that authority to pick up communications that are not just relevant to an investigation, but all communications on the theory that they can collect everything now uh, and ask questions later.
1: The
6: scale of the National Security Agency's intrusion, phone calls, emails, web visits, is alarming. Hundreds of millions of US phone records gathered ostensibly to search for links with terrorists or any suspicious behavior from overseas. The program, codenamed PRISM, even allows the government to tap into nine US Internet companies including Google, Apple, Facebook and Skype. But internet companies like Google, Facebook and Microsoft have made it clear that they were mere unwilling participants and are seeking permission to publish national security requests. As outrage and concern grow, more details of NSA's data mining show the program is not restricted to just America. In March 2013, the agency collected a whopping 97 billion pieces of intelligence from computer networks worldwide. Data like who you called, your location, but not details of your conversation, what you mailed, what you SMSed or posted on Facebook. India is among the top five countries targeted by US surveillance.
8: Obviously, uh, we would find it uh, unacceptable.
6: Now the Obama administration, under pressure to end the top secret spying program, is seeking to convince lawmakers that that this may have helped prevent many terror attacks. In the eye of this storm, a 29-year-old ex-CIA computer whiz, Edward Snowden, who leaked the NSA's most guarded secret. Now the man behind the world's biggest exposure of U.S. secret snooping has gone missing amidst reports that Russia has offered him asylum.
7: I think that the public is owed an explanation of the motivations behind the people who make these disclosures that are outside of the democratic model.
6: As the controversy intensified, Snowden, who was holed up in this plush hotel in Hong Kong, checked out, or has perhaps gone missing. An irony many say at a time when America's action is being compared to China's big brother attitude. Germany and European Union have already filed a complaint against US
0: surveillance. In fact, Angela Merkel is expected to take up the same in her upcoming meeting with Barack Obama. In the U.S. over the coming week, a series of closed-door meetings will decide whether in America's decision to sacrifice privacy for safety, it has ended up trespassing individual country laws. In New York, Namrata Brar, NDTV. So interestingly, of course, also the Civil Liberties Union group in America today filed a case against the secret program, saying that this basically means that everyone's address book can be looked into. But let us just look again at the details revealed by Edward Snowden. A 29 year old college dropout is perhaps the biggest such disclosure in the world. Now he actually released a powerpoint presentation which he got as an employee of a defense contractor working for the US government. He released 41 slides in this powerpoint presentation which was given to the Guardian and the Washington Post. They have released only 5 of these slides. The first one of the release is called the PRISM overview and stated as recently as April 2013 now the, that's the first slide the top of the second slide release shows the giants of the internet google facebook skype apple all of these servers being uh, tracked uh, them actually the surveillance program having access to these servers and highlights how the us is the backbone a uh, backbone sorry of the world's telecommunications especially as these internet giants have their servers not just in the us but across the world including in the indian ocean the orange blurb says your target's communications could easily be flowing into and through the US. So what does PRISM collect, well metadata which includes uh, details of emails, video, voice chats, videos, photos, stored data, video conferencing etc and notably special requests. This surveillance began as far back as 2007 when under President Bush, the US began an unprecedented war on terror, Facebook was added on in 2009. Apple as recently as last October. By law under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, these servers have to give details to the US government if asked, these are completely confidential court hearings of the FISA. The final page reveals that there are two types of collection upstream that is data flowing past the US and PRISM which collects data directly from the US based servers of Google, Facebook, Microsoft etc. But the remaining 36 pages of the whistleblower's expose is apparently too hot to handle. One of the journalists says, if you saw all the slides, you wouldn't publish them. Julian Assange of WikiLeaks has criticized both the papers, the Guardian, the Washington Post, and said that if WikiLeaks had access, they would release all 41 slides. But as we look at the global debate and the US, let's just look at the details that have been outlined about what India is actually planning, its new cyber policy, which in a sense, Some activists say are as frightening as the US, Nitin Gokhale has mourned.
9: Well, um, uh, Sonia, uh, let me just uh, say this, that uh, there were some officials uh, we have been meeting over the past uh, few years. This is not uh, exactly uh, what you have just said. Mm -hmm. But uh, let me just say that uh, India has now acquired uh, the ability to uh, analyse and um, look at the data, what is called the metadata, the large data that flows into uh, India and on the ISP servers and basically look at uh, just the the traffic uh, pattern rather than the content of uh, voice or data Uh, that gives uh, India the ability to uh, analyze and uh, look at the threat assessment and threat prevention and in that uh, sense uh, what India has acquired is a national uh, uh, cyber coordination center which is coming up a national cyber coordination coordinator will also be appointed. Mm -hmm. Uh, India is also looking at putting in place uh, the cabinet has approved uh, two things one is the cyber security architecture uh, the framework uh, for cyber security Uh and uh, the other is the cyber security policy which will be uh, administered by Mm -hmm. the Department of Electronics and uh, Information Technology uh, and also all other stakeholders like the MOD uh, the DRDO, the NTRO they all will be involved here. We've been told very clearly that there is no way Uh, that uh, the kind of traffic that flows into India or out of India or uh, within uh, the uh, systems that India has that India can actually or Indian uh, system can actually snoop on data, individual emails, individual data or individual uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. That is what we have been assured of completely. This is completely different from uh, what the US uh, system uh, has been revealed uh, in the Guardian uh, scoop that had happened, the PRISM system. Uh, Of course, there will be uh, several other uh, steps to be taken in this uh, policy that will be unveiled uh, in a gradual manner. So,
0: will this have to be cleared by Parliament, Nitin? When will this actually come into effect? Well, uh,
9: the Cabinet has cleared it uh, on 8th of May uh the uh, the third uh, cyber emergency response teams have been in place for a, a, a long time yes. uh, in fact during the commonwealth games uh, they had prevented almost 8000 attacks or detected 8000 attacks on indian systems but now this will be gradually uh, rolled out uh, what they have done is they have put in place a lot of people they are going to look at private mm-hmm. sector partnership uh, to have uh, what is what you can call internet warriors to uh, basically this policy is to prevent uh, Indian uh, system, IT systems, power grid, banking, telecom to collapse or to be uh, under attack from uh, cyber attacks from all over the world. That is the uh, intention right. of this policy and not so much uh, snooping at the moment at least that is what we have been told uh, by our sources in uh, various ministries uh, and in the government.
0: Right Nitin but of course there will be uh, deeper uh, worry after these revelations from the US as well we've seen that several congressmen have also raised uh, concerns about the U.S. and let's just see what happens with this Indian uh, policy you just outlined as well. Thanks for that. By joining me tonight, my special guest, I am joined by Professor Robert Jervis, the Lai Stevenson Professor of International Affairs from Columbia University. I am also joined by Suketu Mehta, well-known author, based between New York and Mumbai. I am also joined by Menakshi Ganguli of Human Rights Watch. Thank you all very much for joining me tonight. Suketu Mehta, first, as a citizen listening, to what Nitin Gokhale just outlined about what India's plans are, living through what's actually happening in the United States. How do you look at this whole trade-off between security concerns and the issue of a violation of an essential human right, privacy?
8: Well, as an American citizen and as a person of Indian origin, Mm -hmm. I am concerned on two fronts. As an American citizen, I am concerned that my government is monitoring my phone calls, monitoring my internet traffic, As a person of Indian origin, I am concerned that the US government uh, has mined 6.3 billion reports from India. Uh, President Obama uh, came um, on television and um, made clear that there were safeguards, legal safeguards against American citizens. Mm -hmm. Uh, data being mined uh, you need a warrant to get information from a uh, computer of an American citizen. No such safeguards exist for Indian citizens. If the American government wanted to snoop on Manmohan Singh's Gmail account, there is absolutely no legal sanction that would prevent it from doing so. So I'd be very concerned if I were an Indian, the American government can find out who you are emailing, who you're calling who your lovers are, how much you earn, what you think of your country, or what you think of your family. And this data that it is collecting in the cloud, it's something that people all over the world voluntarily surrender to the internet,
7: mm-hmm. to
8: cloud computing, to the to Gmail accounts, every time they go on Skype. And this data is being kept in perpetuity and the potential for misuse is enormous.
0: Professor, uh, Professor Jervis, if you could come in on the debate there, because in fact, the debate has only grown over the last uh, 24 hours and it became clear that initial uh, revelations by the US government were actually factually wrong. While Some of the worries being raised now and we have seen a US congressman come out and make that point that they were not really kept in the loop. Uh, President Obama said that this is something which uh, uh, p- there is some political consensus on is willing to debate it with any member of congress but it is clear that there were initial cover-ups by the government and increased worry over, over how this surveillance is actually cleared are these worries that you share or do you agree with the view that this is essential to prevent uh, terrorist attacks in fact uh, uh, the one congressman has mentioned a 2009 potential New York subway attack which he says was foiled because America had the surveillance
7: well at this point unfortunately it's very hard to tell the example that the congressman gave and that I think uh, DNI uh, Director Clapper gave doesn't make a lot of sense what they've described does not require a lot of data mining and it isn't clear really that the evidence came from the programs they're talking about the essential problem is yes there are legitimate security concerns I suspect these programs do yield valuable information but they raise very troubling issues of privacy and civil liberties but the irony is we as the citizens and even most members of Congress can't intelligently debate what is being done unless we are told more about Mm -hmm. what is being done and the administration of course says well we can't tell you because if we tell you then the terrorists uh, will be able to hide the information. There is something to the administration's argument but I think it is really exaggerated my guess and I admit I don't know many terrorists personally but my guess is that any of them who are competent assume that their communications are being monitored as much as the US can Mm -hmm. and so I think it would be safe to reveal more about the kind of data we're gathering not the all the details but the kind so we can have an informed debate about the trade-off between security and privacy and by the way I agree with Mr. Medic this is not only for American citizens the uh, protections that they yeah. have uh, of citizens of other countries don't.
0: In fact I want to bring in Minakshi Ganguly uh, specifically on that point because uh, the whole kind of disregard as it were for the rest of the world in the US defense and President Obama's defense do you think that's really frightening? Because also the point others are making is that other governments may well pick up from what the US is actually doing. We've heard uh, Nitin Gokhale just outline what the Indian plans are for their cyber security network and we hear the same assurances but in practice it may be very, very different.
5: Absolutely, Sonia. It is absu- it is uh, really, really crucial at this point of time at a more practical level to understand that technology offers much more experience that the net is can be cast really wide and your privacy but that said the blitheness with which the u.s administration has suggested that it was perfectly comfortable with other people surveying other people around the globe is a deep concern it u.s it undermines the u.s as a champion Internet freedom because it, what is the US suggesting Oh, please be free on the internet because we can stack your data it, it is shocking all around and and most of all it does send completely out, about uh, privacy and and and, inter, uh, and the freedom of expression but
0: in this key element of privacy
5: many of uh, we've seen that
0: uh, various uh, people have argued in fact the economist also uh, has written an article uh, just uh, an article from the economist just says does the government have a right to know more than Google? Making the point that in a sense, privacy is a misnomer when you are on the internet anyway. And uh, Milind Deora, the Minister of State for IT, had made this statement in a Google Plus Hangout recently when he was talking about what India is planning, the central monitoring system. Let's just hear what Milind Deora said.
2: Today, a mobile company, if they want to unlawfully intercept your conversations, Nikhil, they could without you knowing it. With the CMS, the mobile company cannot do that and that's one of the reasons why we are implementing CMS at a rapid pace because it will protect your privacy, Nikhil, it will ensure that nobody can play hanky-panky and two, uh, it will ensure that only government, not the operator uh, the mobile company is privy to
7: any sensitive information in this country
0: Ketu Mehta, when it comes to trusting the government more than Google, privacy laws uh, how much uh, Google or Facebook knows about you is anyway a controversial issue, why is it okay for Google or advertising to know about your email details or phone call details and not the Obama administration or the Manmohan Singh government?
8: Well, I think there is a weird confluence of uh, commercial and political interests here. Mm -hmm. Um, Google is a private company. Uh, There are many other private companies. Now, the US government uh, seeks to advance the interests of its corporations around the world. Let's say an Indian multinational is competing with an American multinational for a contract in Europe. What's to prevent the U.S. government from using PRISM or Boundless Informant to get the data of the Indian company, find out what it's bidding for the contract, and pass over that data to the American company to advance its economic interests? I mean, this is incredibly frightening. It's and when uh, uh, Google or um, Facebook or Skype say they are trying to protect our data and periodically uh, they will make noises about Chinese censorship. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is equally censorship. The point is that no government is to be trusted with your data, not the Egyptian government, not the American government, not the Indian government. Assume any time you go on the net that it, your communications are not safe. If you really want to keep it private, then use a homing pigeon or use quill and ink. Uh, In this age of electronic communication, anything you write to anybody is subject to somebody else's snooping. And realize also that the internet has been incredibly effective Mm -hmm. as a means of democratic, democratic communication between people looking to bring down tyrannies. I mean, the role that the internet played in the arab spring was Mm -hmm. tremendous it brought down tyrant governments all around the world Mm -hmm. this is why governments seek to control the net seek to snoop on your data because they are afraid of the democratic power of the internet
0: meenakshi Ganguly, over to you on that because human rights watch globally of course has raised these issues as well and also perhaps from you more specifically in the indian context because we've seen already how section 66a of the IT act has been misused for the most bizarre reasons so in the sense policy can be drafted but the implementation at least in India is a huge issue.
5: Sonia, this is the truth of the world that we live in today that Suketu did mention. There is always surveillance. Uh, There is surveillance because uh, there is need for security, We we all get that. The problem really is who are you surveying? Are you going to cast the net so wide that everyone is covered, and then try and find literally what appears to be a needle in the haystack? He- You're trying to just spot words or do whatever the hell you do with this with, with this technology. But, but the truth is that, yes. How does that data then get? Is, is it likely to lead to abuse? And there we are concerned about situations such as in India, where unfortunately, if there is if there is this sort of surveillance, and suddenly we find someone. Uh, posting something on on Facebook and it is you know and they're charged with sedition or they're charged under the 66A of the internet regulations. These are uh, these are all problematic uh, issues that have to be dealt with as we grapple with the concern with the concerns for security. And and uh, as of now, I'm afraid uh, what, what the U.S. example has shown us is that. Uh, there has to be much, much more done. Much more done which comes from the liberties prism as opposed to one that comes from just a security prism. And I do want to add another thing. Yes, the Indian state has launched its own programs, but equally, just as the EU has, has called upon the US to explain exactly what is going on with the surveillance program, so should India, because yes, India might be surveying its own surveillance laws, must be applying to Indian nationals, and that is something Indian nationals should fight about. But if the US is, is, uh, you know, is treating India as one of the five most uh, uh, targeted nations, that is something that the Indian government should raise with the US government.
0: In fact, uh, to just come back also on the details of how this actually came out. And in a sense, that's even more frightening because if something which is of such great uh, national security can be leaked so easily by, as I said, a 29-year-old college dropout who's now seeking a refuge in a sense in Hong Kong. The irony is uh, evident there and also the focus on the media coverage of it. You've heard Julian Assange of WikiLeaks come out saying why is it that all 41 of the slides have not been made public by the Guardian and the Washington Post. So there is a very... Fine, balancing line between the public's right to know and national security is a tough choice for any journalist.
8: Sonia, yeah, there are half a million Americans sitting in front of computers right now who have direct access to your email, and this is a frightening thought. I mean, Edward Snowden, I think, is an American hero. He's one of these peculiarly American individuals that history throws up from time to time, and I think that uh, many of uh, his statements are almost Gandhian, this kind of civil disobedience. He just said to uh, the South China Morning Post that he wants to stay in Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. not because he wants to uh, run away from justice, but because he wants to talk about criminality in the U.S. government. Um, So this is, I mean, it's a great thing that a man like Snowden came along and revealed what's actually going on in the U.S. government. It's blatant violation of the Constitution. It's trampling upon privacy rights in the name of security. But who knows what else is out there that we don't know about? Remember, the government did not voluntarily disclose this information. Obama has said it's good that there's a debate now that's going on between the trade-off between uh, security and privacy. I mean, the man is a constitutional law professor. Uh, He should have been ahead of this issue. And uh, the claim is that all three branches of the government um, uh, there's a system of checks and balances. There's a court called the FISA Court, which approves every uh, request to spy on Americans. But this court is a rubber stamp. Uh, uh, it, last year, uh, it rejected some uh, out of uh, tens of thousands of applications for uh, search warrants. It rejected around 12 of them. So I have very little confidence uh, in the legislative or the judiciary that it's actually doing its best to protect constitutional rights. And this thing about you know, the security trade-off also, I think, is, is overestimated because we have no clue, we do not have the information to make a judgment for ourselves whether it's, uh, this giving up of our privacy is warranted, whether the government is telling us the truth.
0: Right. So that I think is really also the impact on uh, President Obama's uh, credibility is key and questions being raised around the world and what similar government action is happening, how the US is actually spying on the world. Huge issues raised there. Thank you so much Suketu Mehta and Ganguly for joining me tonight on this.